0: Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert. They're up and running again.
1: So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is
0: 60% effort, thousand percent of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears Look at his movements, the most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. What a goal! Sensational! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again! The world is left to wonder, wide-eyed, thrilled, bemused, how on earth did that happen? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. I am your host today, BJ Cunningham. Michael Lieboff is out for an episode. In a second, I'll be joined by my friend, my colleague, my betting compatriot, Anthony DeBundo. But first, Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive signup offer in Colorado, New Jersey, and Ohio. Bet $1, get $200 free, and you may want to use that promo on this weekend of Premier League action because it is a doozy. All of the big six are playing against each other, and we are going to start on Thursday. Manchester City coming off a Manchester derby loss to Manchester United, hosting Tottenham, also coming off a derby loss to their hated rival Arsenal. Manchester City is sitting at -275. Tottenham is sitting at 7 to 1 with the draw at +450 at Bet365. Anthony, this is a very very interesting match here, especially on a Thursday. These teams have a quick turnaround uh to the weekend, but your beloved Tottenham, your th- your third favorite team here in the Premier League lost to Arsenal. Uh, do you think they have any chance here against Manchester City to potentially maybe cover a spread
1: or win outright? Well, if you if you believe in the concept of bogey teams in the Premier League, uh, then yes, Tottenham has a chance. Uh, they have been City's bogey team. Ask any City fan, uh, and they'll tell you that. I have a friend who's a big City fan, and, and he was joking about how it doesn't matter how bad Tottenham may look in the North London Derby. You can pencil in Son and Kane for for attacking goals, uh, and Spurs will produce you know two goals off .1 XG and win 2-0 or whatever. Uh, but from a reality point of view and, and, and from a matchup standpoint, I actually do think Spurs defensively have a better chance in this matchup than you know past a- attempts of guarding and defending City. Uh, City only had five total shots against United. I thought that was really stunning. Uh, credit United. I mean, they did a stellar job disrupting City's buildup. I thought they played really well out of possession. Uh, and they weren't allowing easy access into the penalty area for Manchester City. But I also think something really interesting is kind of developing with City as we've gone through this season. Everybody knows how dominant they were last year. They should have won the champions league. They should, they did win the premier league. They only added Erling Holland. So of course we expected them to get even better this year, but that hasn't really happened. Uh, You look at their shots, you look at their XG per shot, their shots on target, their average shot distance. It's all worse since adding Erling Holland. Uh, They've finished at an alarmingly good rate this year. Holland being a great finisher, getting most of those shots definitely helps, but They're getting two less shots per match, one less shot on target per match. Their XG per shot's gone down a tick. Their average shot distance has gone up a tick. So everything that you're looking for, you'd expect from Holland, which is getting a ton of really good shots. It's not really happening outside of him. And I think that's very interesting. Uh, Spurge just don't concede a lot of big scoring chances. I mean, they're very good at absorbing pressure and kind of sitting there and and trying to play through it. They've been worse at playing through pressure this year. We saw that uh, even the Laris mistake and that led to the near first goal in the Derby on Sunday where Laris made a great save. That came from a high turnover. Uh, the goal itself, you know, the first goal was a bit fluky, but the second goal comes from a high turnover as well. So like a lot of mistakes, but City's not pressing as much this year either. I mean, they're they're allowing opponents to complete more passes. So I think all of it leads to a more low event game. Both attacks have run really hot. Uh, I think this totals a little bit inflated at three, you know, under three plus money under three minus 110 is fine. I only project 2.81 goals for this match. Uh, I do think city is a little overvalued as well. It's correlated, of course, the underdog and the under when the spreads one and a half totals three. So I lean towards Spurs as well, but I see this as potentially like a one, nil two, one two nil kind of game. I don't think that city will just run and open up Spurs. Cause they just really haven't done that to a lot of teams this year. Uh, and so I do think this is a good under spot. Tottenham, the biggest problem defensively, they don't allow big chances, but their goalkeeping has been worse. Larice has taken a step back. Uh, I think he's still an average keeper in the Prem, but uh, they have conceded a lot of extra goals this year, so maybe some positive regression there as well. But all of it leads to to under three for me. And Sohn, is really interesting. Going through the numbers on him, and, and really the attack was built around Son and Kane. Son is getting 3.25 attacking penalty area touches this year per match. That is the lowest of his Spurs career by quite a bit. And the shot quality has fallen off considerably. Still getting three or four shots a game, but they're coming from an average of 18 yards per instead of 15. That's a big difference at the margins that those big chances have not come for him this year. He's not getting in the box as much, getting on the end of those chances. So I think there's just a general breakdown for the Spurs attack. And, and, you know, you're going to see that in this match as well.
0: Yeah. I actually really do like Tottenham in this match, plus one and a half and minus a half and minus one ten. The thing that really struck me for City, a couple of things, is one, they were very poor in the final third against United. Like, they were able to get the ball there, but their passing just wasn't that great. I mean, they did complete 10 passes into the penalty area, had 26 touches there, and field tilted United 75%. But like you already mentioned, they only get five shots after all that. that That's incredibly concerning, especially when the game script's going to be very similar because Tottenham is going to sit in a low block just like United did. And what City tried to do, which was kind of annoying throughout the entire match, if you're somebody like me who bet on City, is Pep was just adamant that they were going to play through the middle of the pitch. Like he, uh, they United stayed very, very compact and they allowed city to play the ball into wide areas. And that's obviously where one of the goals came from. But the same thing can be said here that if, if Tottenham's going to stay very compact, because out of possession, they were like staying mainly in a five, five, four, one against Arsenal and clogging up the middle of that pitch, forcing Arsenal to basically just make lateral passes around the box. It's troublesome that, if City can only get off five shots against United, and like you already mentioned, their average shot distance is going up; they're not getting as many good, high-quality looks. How are they going to actually break down this low block? Now we could all look really stupid, and they can put up six goals just like they did against United. But Tottenham is one of the best teams at defending their penalty area in the Premier League. Yes, they are seventh in expected goals allowed, but it's because they allow over 14 shots per 90. But Tottenham's average shot distance allowed is the best in the Premier League on average at 18.9 yards. So. And like you already mentioned, they don't allow a lot of big scoring chances. So I think it's going to be, like, I agree with you. I think it's going to be very, very difficult for City to actually create those high-quality chances. And the Spurs' attack looked better against Arsenal. And I think what we saw is that they were a lot, they were much more direct. They weren't trying to play build-up like they did against United when it looks like they couldn't string two passes together. They were throwing a lot of long balls up the pitch and putting pressure on the back line, which in this match with no Ruben Diaz, no John Stones, it's probably going to be a good idea to attack Nathan Ake and Akanji. And the thing is Spurs outshot Arsenal in the penalty area, 12 to eight. Like they created 1.6 expected goals. It was a lot better for Tottenham and city against United. They did look vulnerable in transition with three or four uh, opportunities. And I mean, you can say what you will about the, the offsides. We'll get to that when we talk about United and Arsenal, uh, how dumb that was. But again, United's chances basically came in transition where Spurs have looked best this season when they're, basically sitting back in a low block and transitioning well. So, uh, you know, I only have cities spread projected at minus 1.18. So Spurs plus one and a half and minus 110 uh, is, is good enough value for me. So I will be on your Spurs plus one and a half and maybe on them again against Fulham on Monday, but we'll get to that in a second. All right, let's move on to another big six matchup. My Super Bowl. Arsenal hosting Manchester United on Sunday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. Arsenal is minus 118, United sitting at three to one, the draw sitting at plus 275. If anybody's listened to this podcast for more than, I don't know, four or five episodes, I think they know exactly where I'm going on this one. I love the Arsenal money line, but I'll let you get in first. Are you going to join me on this Arsenal money
1: line, or are you going to cower away? I will be passing. Lean the under. I I think I may end up actually betting the under uh, (laughs) because I have been extremely impressed with the United defense. I think that they put in back-to-back performances against both City and Crystal Palace uh, that were very encouraging. And, you know, we talked last week. We said, okay, United looked really good defensively. They've improved out of possession. I think we said that, you know, a few months ago. But they had done it in the last few weeks against Bournemouth, Wolves, Forest. We were like, okay, let's play a real team. Uh, well, they played a real team, City. They held them to five shots. They did an excellent job defensively. Uh, they got carved open once from a wide area, but I was extremely impressed with the defense. And I think they played an extremely good defensive game against crystal palace as well, even though the beloved Eagles did get the point late on a, on a, sometimes sometimes you can see a a 25 yard, 30 yard screamer, uh, you know, less than half of an expected goal palace didn't really do much. Most of the match, even though United kind of struggled to keep control, Uh, but they lost Casemiro. And I think that's a big loss here because it probably means we're getting the McFred uh, mm-hmm. pivot here. And it's a little concerning because I, you know, if you were to go to the root of the problems for Man United uh, under Oleg and Solskjaer, I think it really started with the McFred pivot. That just was not good enough. McTominay not good enough of a passer, not good enough at retaining possession under pressure. Uh, and that led to them struggling to control games. And if you struggle to control the game at, at the Emirates and you're giving up possession arsenal, that's where they're at their best. Uh, these are the two most improved defenses in the league year over year. I think if, if you look across the board, uh, you can, you know, kind of chart, you know, how is the team performing last year versus this year? The two best improvements, Arsenal and transition, uh, United, though I think does kind of get a, a, a tactical reprieve here because they're so good at spring counters. I mean, we saw in the last meeting, granted it was at Old Trafford, uh, Arsenal was probably the most exposed they've been all year in transition defense, and it was losing the ball middle of the pitch, Uh, Fernandez Erickson pinging the balls over the top to the Rashfords uh, of the world and getting in behind. Uh, I think that's the one area where I think, you know, Arsenal could be potentially vulnerable here. Uh, But I think both attacks are a little bit overvalued. And I've been saying this for weeks, Uh, the two Arsenal, you know, getting the production they're getting out of, you know, these guys seems a little bit over their skis and United, we saw it today. I mean, they didn't create anything. In the second half, they, had, you know, 0.15 XG in the, in the 45 minutes and they had one big chance off a corner in stoppage time, but they have struggled. And I, I do wonder, you know, like a front three of Vegarst, Rashford and Anthony, I don't think there's enough shots in that to, you know, be a, a consistently good attack against an arsenal defense like this. So I lean to the under pretty strongly. I'm just a little worried. Like, what does it look like without Casemiro? Uh, because I think that it's kind of interesting, like, United for as well as they played against City didn't create anything either until the offside goal. So like we we, we should pump the brakes on exactly. United's attack here.
0: That's a wonderful point, Anthony, because if that gets called offsides and suddenly the match is still one-nothing. Do you think United gets that wonderful spring counter attack or do you think city plays a little more conservative, but to your point about Casemiro and how big he is for United, I went and did the on-off splits for them defensively with and without Casemiro, because essentially when he started starting fully in the Manchester United lineup, he obviously came off the bench for a while, you know, against Liverpool and, and up until essentially the Manchester the first Manchester Derby, he started his first match against Everton since that point. Uh, which is on October 9th. Since that point, United is only allowing 0.8 expected goals per 90 minutes. So basically when we talk about how good United's been since they they had that horrible match against city. Well, it's, it's basically because they, like you already mentioned, they don't have to go to McFred anymore. They have Casemiro who is an unbelievable defensive midfielder and they can play a double pivot with him at Ericsson and allow Ericsson to go forward before Casemiro. Before he started starting regularly for United, they were allowing 1.58 expectables per 90 minutes. And I understand that they went through a rough stretch to begin the season, but that's how much he actually means for their midfield. And I think it's going to be very, very difficult for them to stop Arsenal because, like I already mentioned, they did a great job clogging up the middle of the pitch against City. And I had my I was writing my notes out during the Crystal Palace match. And what I was what I had down was basically like Arsenal has done such a good job at creating overloads and attacking opponents in wide areas with Martinelli, Shaka, Odegaard, basically being allowed to roam around the pitch because Thomas Partey is such a good defensive midfielder at cleaning up those transition opportunities that Arsenal, that's where they're at their best, creating those type of opportunities. But now I think they'll be able to play through wherever they want at the pit, on the pitch. And Ten Hag, obviously against United, he brought on Fred, he took off Anthony, and he said, all right, we got to play two defensive midfielders because we're not going to have the ball as much, which was very, very smart to do. If we see McFred again, I think Arsenal is going to pummel them. And you mentioned the last meeting. Well, there was a, you know, it was expected goals was essentially dead even. There was a questionable VAR uh, decision as well in the first half that could have changed the outcome of the match. But a big thing for Arsenal in that match is they didn't have Thomas Partey, who I already mentioned is one of the best defensive midfielders in transition is really the main reason why Arsenal is the best defensive team in transition, allowing the second fewest progressive passes and dribbles per 90 minutes, and also allowing the fifth lowest uh, buildup completion percentage. And let's be honest, United's success this season against the big six, all of it's come at old Trafford because They've beaten Liverpool, Tottenham, City, and Arsenal all at home, and they've only played two big six sides away from home where they got pasted by City 6-3, and then they needed a stoppage time goal to beat a Chelsea team that was starting to have all of their problems. Arsenal is one of the best home teams in the Premier League. They're a plus 11.7 expected goal differential in eight matches, and Arsenal is going to have the rest advantage with City, or excuse me, with United playing on Wednesday against Crystal Palace. So, I think the price is is a tad short here on Arsenal. Uh, You know, I grabbed them once uh, Casemiro got the yellow card. I said, "All right, I'm I'm, I'm in now." They've jumped up at most books to around minus one fifteen, minus one twenty, but I still do like them at that price because I do project them at minus one forty eight. And just for all of you who think I'm so biased out there, five thirty eight has Arsenal at fifty four percent as well. So they are showing a tad bit of value on them as well. So I love my Gunners. I'll minus one fifteen on the money line to beat manchester united
1: yeah i've got arsenal minus 127 so uh yeah maybe a tiny bit of value but again same thing uh i'm not running to the window this is kind of similar to the newcastle match for me i think we're kind of uh you know two ascending teams where i'm not really looking to bet on either you know arsenal had a a good performance against tottenham aided by larissa's error uh really didn't like how they played the second half you know you're up two goals but when arsenal doesn't have the possession they're so bad i mean there was there was a lot of last ditch miracle defending and Ramsdale backpacking that got them that result. And and thankfully it saved my under, Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was was just not that encouraging. Uh, But like you said, United, then not having Casemiro a huge loss. Uh, If I bet anything here, it will be the under, Uh, but I I don't really like a side.
0: I do like a side in the
1: next match. (laughs) Let's
0: move on to that match. Saturday morning, 7 30 AM Eastern time. Liverpool hosting Chelsea Liverpool's minus 118 Chelsea sitting at plus 320 with the draw at plus 275 uh two big six clubs that are having a lot of problems and you know what I was thinking about when I was doing I was doing the prep for this I was like remember last January when these two were meeting uh it was over the right at the end of the Christmas break you know both were kind of competing for the title and in the buildup and how big that match was and now we're here where we're like I don't. I, I don't know. I'm in the position where I'm like, I don't
1: want to bet either of these teams right now. But you seem to love a side in this match. I do like Chelsea, and I'll be betting Chelsea. And I have bet Chelsea. If you follow me in the app, uh, then you know I took the Blues plus a half. Look, both of these midfields are broken. I'm not going to deny that. Uh, Chelsea did show signs of life, though. They had two back-to-back encouraging performances. I know they lost to Fulham, but you look, look at the shots in that match. They created 13 shots in the first half. Uh, one expected goals, pretty comfortably a fluke red card. They lose the match two one, but I thought they played really well. I actually upgraded Chelsea after that loss to Fulham. It's kind of funny to say, uh, but Chelsea got bumped. And then they played a pretty encouraging match against, you know, palace uh, where, you know, they had two or three good chances. I felt a little fortunate to push my palace plus one in that match. Uh, the defense looked improved. I think that there are like the tiniest of, signs of maybe turning a corner here and being a, an above average team. Again, Liverpool's trending the opposite direction. hundred percent. I mean, look, they played FA cup match against wolves on Tuesday. Uh, it flew under the radar because, you know, it's the FA cup replay, like nobody cares, but they went to, they went to wolves. They lost the XG 1.4 to 0. 0.2. They scored early Elliot, nice goal, uh, but they were really, really bad. Again, they got pummeled by Brighton. And this is like a weird spot for, for, for them too. I mean, they're in a crisis period where they're not getting any of their guys back except maybe Nunez. But even Nunez coming back doesn't fix the fact that Van Dijk is out and the midfield is just kind of, I think, done. Like I'm Mm -hmm. getting to the point now after watching the Brighton match where you're seeing Liverpool do everything they tried to do for years successfully and none of it is working. And I think that's a major problem against Chelsea, who, despite their problems, like has... What I think will be an improving defense going forward. I think that's what we're going to see with Chelsea. Um, so at plus a half here. I think these two teams are both a mess. I'm going to take the draw protection and, and take the the half a goal. I actually project this number right around the same, but given the trend lines, I'm going to take Chelsea.
0: Yeah, I like uh, over three goals at plus one fifteen. You know, you mentioned the dismantling by Brighton. What was interesting about what Klopp tried to do and why he's like I it was my fault. It completely backfired. He tried to stay so so narrow with Liverpool's pressing because Brighton loves to build out of the back they love to use their center backs to be the ones that build through the middle of the pitch that's why they've dismantled so many teams he was so so worried about that that he pushed Thiago all the way up the pitch to essentially press the Brighton center backs and try to and, and try to keep the team shape and Brighton just would play two passes right through them out to Matoma and then it's Matoma versus Alexander Arnold and they just did that over and over and over again and it just completely dismantled them Now, Chelsea, they've had their issues in the final third, but they still do have the talent in the midfield and out wide. Probably won't see Mudrick in this one, but they definitely still, even with all the injuries, they still have enough talent there to exploit Liverpool in those areas. And Liverpool's defense, I mean, it just, it's, it's just flat out horrible this year. And now without Van Dyke, we've talked about last episode, like maybe it's, it's not the worst thing in the world that Van Dyke is out because Kanate is such a great center back right now, but Liverpool's still 12th and non-penalty goals allowed. In fact, the last time that Liverpool held an opponent under one expectable, merely can you name that time?
1: I will say maybe Newcastle.
0: Newcastle on August thirty. 1st It's been 13 matches since they've held an opponent under one expected goal. And, but the flip side of that is Liverpool's offense. Like they're still creating a ton of chances. Like they're still around 1.8 expected goals per 90 minutes. Like Darwin Nunez will be back. He's obviously, you know, he's had his finishing issues, but he's still, you know, second highest XG per 90 striker in the premier league right now, um, behind Holland. So and Chelsea, on the other hand, like they're still bottom ten in expected goals allowed. Like their defense still hasn't shown any signs of being the elite defense that we've saw under Tuchel or maybe uh, early on under Potter. So, I have three point five goals projected for this match. You know, Liverpool's matches are averaging a little over three point two expected goals this season. So, I am showing a little bit of value on on over three goals uh, at plus one fifteen.
1: All right. Well, let's... One thing, you know, I think it goes in cycles, and I think right. you know we hit the bottom of the market on United. After that Brighton Brentford you know situation Ten Hag coming in was going to start to turn it around eventually uh, I think we've hit the bottom of the market on Chelsea here I'm gonna put my put my line in the sand and say that I think we've found the bottom on Chelsea and and that you know some of those closing numbers against Fulham and against Palace that you know they closed minus 120 at home against Palace uh, I think that's kind of the bottom here I think we're getting toward the cycle on Liverpool where we reached the bottom but I don't think we've gotten there yet and the market has come down here. Uh, they were minus one forty, one thirty five. Look ahead, down to minus one fifteen now. Uh, we're we're getting to the point where we're nearing the bottom, but again, I don't think it's come yet. Uh, they they'll probably get healthy before they hit the bottom. Bottom, but uh, I, I think this is a good Chelsea spot.
0: Well, you speak about another good Chelsea spot uh, after the FA Cup break. They have uh, Fulham again. At home, so I'll be very interested. Going to see. be
1: laying a goal though. I don't know. Yeah, they're going to be laying
0: a goal. I'm, I say I'm very interested to see what that line is, depending obviously what happens in this Liverpool match. All right, let's move on to a relegation six pointer. Bournemouth hosting Nottingham Forest. Bournemouth sitting at plus 170. Nottingham Forest sitting at plus 180 with the draw at plus 210. This to me is one of the easiest passes on the board uh, this weekend. I was potentially looking at uh, both teams to score no in this type of match, but Dean Henderson's going to be out for Nottingham up for us. And I want nothing to do with Wayne Hennessy. and Bournemouth's offensive regression is just coming in waves and waves. Now uh, it's been quite a few matches since they put the ball in the back of the net. So I am staying away from this one. Do you have anything on this relegation six pointer?
1: I'm actually a little tempted to play for us because of the injury crisis for Bournemouth here. Uh, You know, Bournemouth was one of the worst attacks. They are the worst attack. They've never been anything more than that. I say that every single week on this show, Uh, (laughs) but now they're dealing with all their injuries to these good players. Like all their quote unquote, good players are injured. Uh, They will not have Solanke. It looks like for this match, they will not have Lewis cook for this match. They will not have Tavernier for this match. Tavernier is their leader in shot creating actions. Junior Stanislas is probably the guy you'd expect to step up, but it looks like he's going to be out as well. Um, they will get Adam Smith back. He he was uh, you know, he's a big part of their progressive passing machine. But even that with him in the lineup, their dead last box touches, nineteenth progressive passes. Forrest's defense away from home has been a disaster. Like they've really struggled. Uh, I think Forrest is a better team. The injuries almost get me to play Forest here, but I'm probably going to end up passing. Uh, because it is a spot here where now Bournemouth have not scored in four straight league games. They've created 0. 0.6 or less expected goals in those games. They burned all their goals in that FA Cup match against Everton, <laughs> um, and they have they they're just not a very good attack. It's going to be key for more. Forest has been okay on set pieces. They've actually improved a lot in the last uh, two months on set pieces. It's been one of their main areas. So do the Cherries get one off a set piece? Maybe, but it's it's really hard to put together. The path for goals here, but again, the total is sitting at two and a quarter, um, so no real value in the under for me either. Uh, so they, this is going to be, end up being a pass for me on Saturday.
0: Yeah, no Alenali and no Lingard for for Forest as well. So this is just one of those easiest passes on the board. Let's move on to a more exciting match. Leicester hosting Brighton at 10 a.m. Eastern time at the King Power Stadium. Leicester sitting at plus two forty. Brighton a plus one ten road favorite. The draw is sitting at plus 250, another very, very easy pass. Do you remember – here's, here's a nice question for you. Do you remember what Brighton was at home uh, when they pasted Leicester 5-2? Uh, minus 105? Minus
1: 105, yeah. Yeah, I think I had
0: that day. Yeah, so that just kind of shows you where we're at with the market on Brighton. And listen, every market, whether it be soccer, football, basketball, it's a very, very efficient, efficient market. And that's what you're seeing here is that the market knows how good – Brighton is. They didn't know how bad full Liverpool was last week, so we got to take a little victory lap on that. But still, there is easy money. No way in hell I'm laying uh, a goal or half a goal uh, on the road, even if Leicester has had all their problems. I have Brighton projected at plus one twenty four. um I mean, have been running really hot offensively under Deserbe. You know, we're at hmm. uh, twenty four uh, goals off of around twenty expected. So eventually some offensive regression is going to hit Brighton. um but yeah, just, Brighton's just overvalued here on the road, um, so I'll be passing. Do you have anything for Leicester and Brighton?
1: Offensive regression will never hit Brighton. They are they are still due, due for it. That's right. They're I, still, I'm they're still from, that was a mistake. from like three years ago, uh, Whatever that, whenever <laughs> we'll was, be, that was, we'll that one season. We'll be
0: saying in 2027, we'll be saying yes, no. None of nope. the players
1: will still play for Brighton yeah. because they're wearing the shirt. They're exactly. going to be due. I'm kidding. But, uh, I mean, it essentially is a whole new team now. But uh, Pascal Gross is still kicking. Uh, Sully March is now the best winger in the Prem. Second best behind Carol McKelma. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, it's a weird spot for Brighton uh, because they just waxed Liverpool over the weekend. They actually have Liverpool next weekend. I know
0: I'm so excited for that. I
1: have not seen a line yet. I was looking for one today. They haven't posted one. Uh, At least the two books I checked didn't post it yet. Um, So I'll be looking for that will be fascinating because it's at Brighton. So I'm guessing Brighton will be uh, a favorite. It has to be a pick them. I think they're going to be be. a favorite because of the cup situation Yeah, tends to shade toward the dog when you have a big six team a little bit. But uh, that being said, uh, this is a classic, like, yeah, I like Brighton, but like they're too cheap. Like the numbers are just not good enough. We play numbers as much as we also play teams. We do play numbers here and and the numbers not good. It's kind of like last weekend. I mean, Arsenal at Spurs. Spurs are in shit form. Leicester are in shit form. Arsenal are playing really well right now. Brighton are playing really well. And the market has moved them a little too far uh, to the point where you're paying a premium a tax on Brighton. Never thought I'd say that. Um, But yeah, if you made me bet it, like, I would bet Brighton, but I, th- I just don't, I can't get there on the numbers. So, this is also going to be a pass for me. Uh, Leicester's attack, man, another I mean, game of just nothing. I mean, they had a couple good chances. Harvey Barnes kept selling, yeah, they had selling like a chances. Chance, yeah. Uh, he had two really where he put, you know, the one was a tough angle, but he really should have done better. And then the one right in front of the goal. Uh, but yeah, Forrest deserved winners in the end. It's just a, a weird situation with Leicester where they're a couple losses away from getting dragged into the relegation battle. Um, and they're nowhere near the top 10, but they're kind of in the doldrums. But yeah, overall, it's another pass. There's so many good games this weekend. This is one I will not be betting.
0: Yeah, still known James Madison for Leicester, so it's very, very hard to get behind their attack when he's not involved. All right, let's move on to another 10 a.m. Eastern match. Southampton hosting Unai Emery's Aston Villa. Southampton sitting at plus 187. Aston Villa sitting at plus 155 with the draw sitting at plus 225. These odds, all as always, coming from our friends at bat 365. Uh, I'll kick it to you first. I actually kind of like Southampton here, but what do you have for this match?
1: I can't get understand this total. Uh, two and a half under minus 116, 117. The total was lower for Everton Southampton last week at two and a quarter with Everton's god awful defense. Uh, now I get a much better defense in this matchup. Southampton gets Aston Villa. Uh, Villa is a top 10 defense pretty comfortably. You could argue they're the best non-Big 7, I'm going to say, the top six normal we talk about, plus Newcastle. They are probably the best non-Big 7 defense in the league, uh, which we're going to have to start calling the uh, Big 6, the Big 7 pretty soon. But I-, I just don't understand the total here. I make it two and a quarter. And so at two and a half, I love the under Uh, Buendia has been playing more. That's improved Villa's attack a little bit, but they still don't do a great job of getting the ball into the penalty area. They're just kind of like a mediocre attacking team that that doesn't do a ton to get it there. And Southampton, as much as they've struggled in goal this year, they've done a good job from a field perspective keeping other teams out of their penalty area. Uh, They're right around 13th, 14th in some of those key metrics we look at defensively, so it's not quite as shambolic as... uh, as those goals allowed and that their 20th position in the table suggests, and this is a desperation spot for them. So I do expect a full effort. Uh, Villa doesn't really run up scores or get margin very well either. Um, so this is kind of a coin flippy kind of game where I could very well see it ending one, one or one nil. Uh, but I just can't believe this is two and a half one sixteen given that we just had a, you know, a two and a quarter against a worst defense last week. So give me the under two and a half.
0: I actually, yeah, I do like Southampton in this match, you know, by the naked eye, you know Southampton sitting in the relegation zone. Aston is flying high under Unai Emery, uh, you know, winning format four of his six matches in charge. But you know, you look at the metrics there's, for for the whole for the season. You know, these these cl- two clubs who both have had to sack a manager, there really isn't a lot of difference in their underlying metrics. I mean, Southampton is currently sitting with a minus point two non penalty expected goal differential per ninety. Aston Villa is at minus 0. 0.1. You know, Southampton's allowing 1.26 non penalty goals for match. Aston Villa is at 1.24 and South Southampton are going to be set up to play very, very direct, which is something I think will be a big benefit to them in this match because Leeds, they were very, very direct against Aston Villa and they created a boatload of chances in both transition and off of set pieces. I mean, Leeds created 2.4 expected goals, 14 penalty box shots, 31 touches in the penalty area, all with just the 3 10 plus pass sequences and a build up completion rate of 68.6%. That just highlights how effective they were in transition and that's something Southampton's going to be able to do them as well because Nathan Jones teams they do like to press high and they do like to 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 try to create high turnovers which is something Leeds did a great job of as well they forced Nine high turnovers and a pass per defensive action of 6.1 against Aston Villa. And let's just be honest. I mean, Aston Villa's offense is just running in this kind of place of the under as well. Their offense has just been running really, really hot. They've scored 10 goals off of seven and a half expected. They've created just three big scoring chances in their last seven matches. And this is just a really good all-in spot, desperation spot here for Southampton, who has won three straight matches in all competitions, got a win against City in the EFL Cup, and then beat Crystal Palace on the road in the FA Cup. They've been much better at home. Even though they are in last place, they're only a, a minus 0.8 expected golden front at home where Aston Villa has struggled on the road where they're at minus four. So uh, I do project Southampton as an ever so slight favorite here. So uh, I like Saints at home, draw no bet at plus 105. All right, let's move on to the David Moyes Bowl. Ever, uh, West Ham hosting Everton. West Ham is sitting at minus 134. Uh, Everton sitting at plus 375 with the draw at plus 275. If Michael were here, he'd tell us that the price on Everton is too good and you have to play it. But thank God he's not because I can't do that here. I think this is one of the easiest passes on the board. I do think I had, if you know, I just have Michael's voice in my head right now, just saying like, you have to bet Everton, the price is too good. I do think West Ham is a tad overvalued here at minus 134. Um, But you love, Another patent in both
1: teams to score with West Ham. I mean, look, if the market doesn't want to adjust, I will keep betting it every single week and <laughs> cash it. Uh, last week, minus 107. Thank you very much. Both teams easily scored. Saints were so good; they scored a second time, and they won the match. Uh, it, it's just crazy to me. Uh, what is the market? What am I missing? Because I know that the market is generally pretty smart. You know, I trust every. You know, it's a very it's the English Premier League, um, but. This is a desperation home spot for West Ham. Two positive regression attacking candidates of both teams to score on an Everton defense where they need to chase this result and get a, you know, like this is an important win for both teams. West Ham is very good at crossing their fifth best and crosses completed. Everton doesn't stop crosses. Everton's conceded 11 goals, their last five. Everton's attack has improved a little bit. The last few matches they've had some actually good, healthy attackers and and shown some signs of life there. Uh, this all points to the over and, and to the both teams to score for me. And and at minus 106, 105s are out there. like That's just a crazy number for me. I logged it this morning. I love both teams to score here. And this is the fourth straight match. I bet it. Either the over or the both teams to score in an Everton match, and they just keep winning. Uh, and the market is not moving them at all. I would expect this to be closer to minus 130. Uh, to, so to get it at minus 105 is, is, is very um, advantageous. I might join you.
0: Um, but let's move on to the 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time match on Saturday. Crystal Palace coming off that late draw against Manchester United, hosting Newcastle. Crystal Palace sitting at plus 3.33. Newcastle minus 110 road favorite. The draw sitting at plus 240. Uh, I actually like the over in this match, but um, I'm going to kick it to you first. What do Do you think Crystal Palace can repeat the type of performance they had against United and maybe steal a point here against Newcastle?
1: Yeah, I would lean toward the under. I think this is a pretty similar handicap to what we just saw today between Palace and United. Uh, Palace sat deep, absorbed pressure. Newcastle this season in 0-0 game states has not taken a lot of chances. They've been very um, passive and kind of have have scored a bunch from them. But uh, we kind of saw it in the Fulham match where they created, in the end, two expected goals. Uh, but it took them a long time to really get going, and the first half was kind of dead. It was a lot of bad shots; there weren't a lot of good shots taken. So I think Palace is still pretty organized defensively. Chris Richards making his debut uh, for the season and in the Prem today. I thought he had a really strong showing. And if you think about the United chances, they had you know ten shots and one point one expected in the first half. Uh, only one real big chance, which was the goal. And then the second half, they did nothing. So I just not I'm not so sure that Newcastle creates a ton here. I kind of disagree with you. Uh, and I lean toward the under here because I'm also just not inspired by this Palace attack that has looked really, really mediocre. Uh, not getting any striker production. Wilf Sahas on the wrong side of 30 now and his dribbling numbers have gone down. So I'm a little bit skeptical of this Palace attack creating much too. So I, I kind of lean strongly to the under here and, and it is juiced at you know, minus 140. So you know, hence the reason I'm not betting it. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, I, I do think it's a little bit cheap. Hence the reason a why l- a bit, I, bit, yeah, I like this over. Uh, so, and it's, it's something I've said on
0: the podcast, you know, basketball weeks, it's just that palace, when they have to play good competition, they have just been awful. Like today they allowed over two expected goals to United. I understand. I'm going to push back on that. The, that two,
1: I'm I'm not sure about that mob number. I think that's wrong. Okay. Because they gave, they gave 0.8 on that Casemiro, or not Casemiro, it was, um, Somebody right in front of the goal had like like got a toe on the ball in stoppage time, but it wasn't really a shot, but they counted it as a shot. And so this is like kind of the point about single game XG. I wanted to make this point anyway. Um, they gave like 0.78 XG in, in Mob and then InfoGold did too. And I was watching live and I'm like, when did United get that shot off? And it was the cross into the penalty area where it just kind of went through the whole box and like nobody really got a shot. So I, I'm kind of pushing back on that number. Okay. Uh, I, th- I thought it was a little closer to like 1.2, but uh, either way. Even before
0: that, Anthony, uh, Palace had allowed 13 expected goals in seven matches versus the big six plus Newcastle. And if you remember this match the last time against, they absolutely stole a point on the road at St. James Park. It was a 0-0 draw that ended up being a very up and down type match. There were a total of... 3.8 expected goals created, 2.8 from Newcastle, 1 from Crystal Palace. There were 32 shots taken, combined 70 penalty box touches between the two sides. So now we have a Newcastle offense that just has continued to get better and better as the season has progressed along. They have been pretty unlucky in front of net recently. Like they've scored four goals off a of 7.4 expected in their last four Premier League matches out of the World Cup break, including 2.2 against Fulham this past weekend. Uh, and for the season, they're averaging 1.6 expected goals per 90, top five in shots, big scoring chances passing the penalty area and expected threat. Oh, and they just got Alexander Ishak back, who has yet to play three full 90s and is already over a one uh, XG per 90 uh, minute strike, already got three goals. So I think their attack's only going to get better and better. And you mentioned the 0 0 game state, which is very important because this over is basically dependent on that first goal going in because. Crystal Palace, when they are playing from behind the season, are allowing 2.18 expected goals per 90. And Newcastle, when playing with lead, are averaging 2.2 expected goals per 90. So once that first goal goes in, I think all hell is going to break loose. I do project 2.7 goals for this match, uh, just because of the given how high Newcastle's average XG is per 90. Um, so I do like the value on over two and a half goals at plus 120. All right, let's move on to... Sunday, your second favorite team, Leeds United, hosting my favorite team, Brentford. Leeds is a plus-137 home favorite. Brentford sitting at plus-190 with the draw at plus-250.
1: I love Brentford here.
0: I love them so much, but um, I'll let you uh, gush about Jesse Marsh uh, for a couple minutes here.
1: don't oh, no, easy pass for me. Oh. Uh, I, I just don't really love the spot. For Brentford but I I do think Leeds had an impressive and important showing in the FA Cup against Cardiff put five on him kind of quieted the haters briefly but most importantly Patrick Bamford scoring twice he seems to be rounding into form and that is so important for this Leeds team because they have lacked the finishing quality in the final third and with him fit and firing they're a much better team Brentford is so good at taking their taking the uh, you know, little spaces and pockets and career, turning them into one or two or three big scoring chances. And that's what Leeds gives up a lot. So it's not a great matchup for Leeds. Um, but I, I I think they're slightly worse than Brentford. You throw in home field. They're a slight favorite. That's what I would make it. Uh, and I don't want to bet on against or on either of these teams in this spot. So this is the easiest pass on the board for me. No Uh, Leeds Brentford, no thanks. I'll be on the other match sweating out city against wolves.
0: Yeah. You know, here's the biggest problem with Leeds is that they really aren't effective offensively unless they are playing just super direct and in transition. Like they have the third lowest build-up completion percentage and the lowest goal kick progression in the Premier League. And Leeds is going to be asked to control a majority of possession and to break down Brentford's low block, which has been very effective this season. Like, even though the Bees they are allowing a high number of shots. A high number of passes into their penalty area, but they are top ten in big scoring chances allowed. They're second in average shot distance allowed, and they're fifth in xG per shot. So, and that's something that they did a really good job of against Leeds until they went up three-one. And Leeds defense, it's just downright embarrassing under Jesse Marsh. I mean they're they're at one point five four non penalty expected goals allowed per ninety. They've conceded fifteen point nine expected goals in their last eight matches. They have conceded the seventh most big scoring chance in the premier league. They're also a bottom 10 team at defending set pieces, which we all know is a major red flag. If you're going to try and face Brentford and the last time these two teams met Brentford, absolutely pasted Leeds. I don't care. Anthony at the final, you'll say the final XG was 2.3 to 1.7, but 1.3 of that XG for Leeds came after Brentford was already up three one the bees have been on fire offensively out of the World Cup break 6.7 expected goals in their last four Premier League matches. And, you know, I I guess Ivan Tony's going to continue to play I haven't seen anything uh, that says otherwise so I'm going to assume that he's going to continue to be in Brentford's lineup uh and like you already mentioned Brentford does such a good job at creating big scoring chances sixth most in the premier league plus Brentford will have a rest advantage with Leeds playing the FA Cup replay like you already mentioned on Wednesday against Cardiff so i like Brentford draw no bet at plus 110 uh Leeds actually not that good at Ellen Road minus 3 expect a goal differential in nine home matches so i love 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 the Bs here obviously have a managerial advantage with Thomas Frank over Jesse Marsh, so give me Brentford, John no bet at plus one ten. Let's move on to the other ten a or nine a.m. Eastern match on Sunday, Manchester City hosting Wolves. Manchester City is a minus five fifty home favorite. Wolves sitting at eleven to one with the draw at plus seven hundred. We are both on the same side here, so why don't you tell the people why City unders are back?
1: At the risk of being redundant, uh, I talked earlier about why. I thought City's attack was a little bit inflated and it's gone back to the beginning of the season when they were scoring goals for fun, but the underlying numbers weren't as good. Now they haven't been scoring goals for fun. They've kind of just been scoring a couple of goals, uh, struggled against Everton, struggled against United. Uh, they did thrash Leeds, but we, you know, we talked stylistically about that matchup and why we didn't love it necessarily, although I did bet Leeds. So I guess I can't say that. But I just think that this is a little bit inflated as well. Wolves' attack. I know I I haven't been a Wolves under since uh, Vietnam, but yeah. I do like it here uh, under three and a half minus 135, 140. I think this should be three and a quarter, three even. I just don't think City's attack is getting enough margin here. And Wolves have improved defensively under Lopetegui, and so that's enough for me to kind of buy in. Uh, they've been better out of possession, I think, than they were under, under Lodge. Uh, and they're still – like the attack is just – I thought it was kind of symbolic that the lights went out when, when Adama Ture, yeah. tried to cross the ball in yesterday, because there was no way that was going to be a good cross anyway. So uh, yeah, I, I like the under here. I don't want to be redundant and go into the whole city attack thing again, but I just think it's a yeah. little bit inflated. And so I'll bet the under again,
0: if anybody out there, you know, as it uses FP ref, as much as I do go pull up the shot charts from the wolves West ham match. It is just to a microcosm, what Wolves' attack is not under Bruno Lodge, under Lil Pategi, under whoever. They created 0.9 off of 17 shots. They did not register a shot with an XG rating over 0.1. 12 of their 17 shots came from outside the box, where they're taking 40% of their shots on the season. They have the, obviously, like we've mentioned every single week, they have one of the longest average shot distances. They have the lowest X sheet per shot. They've created the fewest big scoring chances in the premier league. In fact, they haven't failed to create over one expected goal in six of their last seven matches. And now they're supposed to create enough to score against the best defense in the premier league. I I, I don't see it at all. I mean, you mentioned the wolves defense. It has gotten better. Like they're at 1.29 non penalty expected goals allowed that you know, the top ten and big scoring chance allowed, and like we already mentioned, you know, not sound redundant again. That the city's offense just really isn't at its best right now. They're coming in on short rest. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna slow down the pace. They're gonna strangle whole possession. Nothing really can take away from the last match where uh, wolves wolves got a red card in around the thirty fifth minute. Um, obviously changed the complexity of that match. I only project two point six five goals for this match. So yeah, I'm with you. I love under three and a half goals at minus one forty.
1: I aren't. like betting wolves overs when the total is two and a quarter. Or you know, two I bet teams. Over, I, I I don't I, like wolves unders. I like wolves unders when it's three and a half against good teams because they do a generally good job of absorbing pressure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm a little annoyed, and I know they created one point four expected goals, Anthony. But
1: I was out doing
0: some, you know, grocery shopping. You know, supposedly a big snowstorm was going to hit Iowa on Tuesday, and I was like, you know, I just need something while I'm while I'm out doing this grocery shopping. So I just pulled up. I was like, oh, wolves and uh, Liverpool playing the FA Cup. I pulled up wolves team total. It was sitting at plus one eighty. I was like, all right. So Texas Anthem, like I'm taking a Wolves team total over, and you uh, they, and they just didn't score, like they always do. So one point, um, what
1: was it? One point four xg, yeah. Yep. So they, I mean, they could have they could have easily got to two. They could have
0: easily got to two, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. All right, but not to go on a big diatribe about Wolves and me doing grocery shopping. Let's move on to Monday. We have a nice London Derby to finish out the Premier League slate. Fulham hosting Tottenham. Fulham is sitting at plus 225. Tottenham's a plus 115 road favor with the draw sitting at plus 260. This is a great price on Tottenham, Anthony. But I mean, agree, like actually. Not,
1: this is a good price. I kind of agree. I'm waiting. Uh, I'll talk, probably talk more. We're going to do a Sunday episode. I'll touch on this one a little bit more, too. I kind of want to see how Spurs look at City and how the market reacts. But uh, the total, I thought we'd get two and three quarters. I'd bet the under at that number, not at two and a half. Uh, But yeah, plus 120 on Spurs does seem a bit cheap to me. Uh, Fulham, I mean, the amount of fortune. Penalties, most in the league. Red cards against them, most in the league. They finished really well. Like everything you could possibly imagine that's gone right for Fulham this year. Look, again, I'm not complaining. I said they would be good. (laughs) They haven't been that good. They've been fine. But their top promoted team, they're feeling good about that. Yeah,
0: they're not the seventh best team. They're not the,
1: yeah, they're not. And, And... uh, you know, the market knows that too, but, yeah. uh, Tottenham is a little cheap here, but I want to see how they look Thursday and, right. and, you know, I don't want any, you know, we're, we're going to wait and see on that one. Uh, and, uh, I'll have more on that on the Sunday episode. We can briefly touch on it before we get right. into the rest of the slate.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I do like Tottenham here. I've actually projected them at minus minus one forty, uh, which is to show you how crazy well that Fulham has run. Uh, I mean, Fulham, Fulham the, since the world cup break has allowed three goals off a of 7.2 expected. Uh, they're literally the worst defense in the Premier League, allowing 1.73 XG per 90. Uh, Tottenham, you know, obviously they're a very good set piece offense. Fulham, you know, allowed of the fourth most expected goals off of set pieces. And the last time these two teams met at White Heartland, Fulham was incredibly fortunate to only lose by one goal. Tottenham took 23 shots, completed 18 passes into the penalty area, created three big scoring chances and 2.9 expected goals, which is their largest goal output in the Premier League. This season, uh, and here's the thing, Anthony, is that I understand that Fulham didn't have Mitrovic, which obviously plays a big part into their line. But Chelsea, they were sitting around what minus one ten. You know, obviously they closed at at a pretty you know significant plus number, but they were opening around minus one twenty, minus one ten against Fulham. Even Manchester United, right for the World Cup break, was minus one fifteen against Fulham. And but now we're saying that a fully healthy Tottenham that has Kulusevski, that has Richarlison, that has a full defense, that has a full midfield is plus 115 it's just way way too cheap for me so yeah we'll touch a little little more on monday we'll see how tottenham plays against united if they get pasted we'll obviously hopefully get a better number on tottenham here on monday but that will do it for the premier league slate let's jaunt around europe a little bit more but first let me remind you that Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up promo code Action to get Bet365's exclusive sign up sign-up offer in New Jersey, Colorado, and Ohio. Bet $1 on any game. Get two hundred free. Welcome back. Bundesliga. German football is back. And you and on Friday, we have an absolute cracker of a match. Leipzig hosting Byron and you. Love the underdog.
1: I do. I like Leipzig. I thought, uh, you know, heading, they haven't played. I mean, they've played, you know, a lot of these teams are playing friendlies and and whatnot. But I mean, these teams have not played a competitive Bundesliga match in two full months. Yeah. Not since, you know, mid November. Uh, So we're, you know, we're over two months. So it is a little weird. uh, But I show a little bit of value on Leipzig. I make them uh, minus 110 to get a result. You can find some even money, minus 105s out there. Uh, I will have a full preview for this match on the website and in the app. I will also be writing my, my weekly Bundesliga Best Bets column. Those will both be up on Thursday. So probably by the time you listen to this, maybe not Thursday night. Uh, I'm very excited. I'm very disappointed also. It's a very sad and somber day in the Bundesliga. Uh, because if you've listened to this podcast before, you know mm-hmm. how much I love Gladbach. And you know how much I love Jan Sommer. Uh, and he was sold today to Bayern Munich for the remainder of, of the season. Uh, so Bayern will, will be starting on summer and, uh, it really takes the sting out of the fun of this league for me because every year we get to bet, you know, Gladbach two or three times against Bayern and we get to make money because Sommer always brings his best and now it won't be the same. I'll still do it because I'm a, I'm a sicko. I'll still bet Gladbach. Maybe, maybe Sommer will have one of his bad games, but, um, Byron will have Sommer in goal for Neuer. It's a little bit interesting. Sommer's not as good with his feet as Neuer, not as good of a sweeper. Shot stopping is pretty similar. Um, so it will be interesting to see how they react tactically because when they get into the bigger matches in the Champions League, it could get interesting. Uh, Leipzig will press a little bit here too, so that it could 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 rattle the cages for the... I'm guessing it's not going to be summer for this. It'll be Ulrich. So it could be interesting there too. But Leipzig have taken a real step forward and, and are uh, the second-best team clearly now by my numbers. So I like them plus a half.
0: I like Freiburg draw no bet plus one Oh five on the road at Wolfsburg. I'm not really so sure that Wolfsburg should be a favorite here, even though they are at home uh, in case you've like, like we already mentioned, it's been two basically two months since the Bundesliga uh, last played Freiburg's in second place in the Bundesliga. Uh, they do only have a plus 4.1 expected goal differential, but Wolfsburg is a big time negative progression team heading in the second half of the season. They're a plus four actual goal differential with a minus five, expected goal differential and Freiburg has, they've been a good offensive team. Like they're sixth in shots per 90. They've created the third, third most big scoring chances. They're a top five XG per set piece team, which is, you know, been a staple of their team for many years now, which is huge against Wolf Wolfsburg, who is a bottom five team at defending set pieces. And quite frankly, the Wolf Wolfsburg defense has been quite poor overall. I mean, they're allowing over one and a half expected goals per 90, They're bottom five and expected threat and big scoring chances allowed. And the flip side of that, Wolfsburg is an offense that just really, really struggles to turn final third possession into any type of high quality chance. I mean, they're eighth in passes in the penalty area, they're sixth in expected threats, sixth in passes and progressive progressive passes and dribbles per ninety minutes, but they're turning that into one point one non penalty expected goals per ninety. They have the second fewest touches in the penalty area, the the fourth fewest big scoring chances, and on top of that, I don't think he's going to win the Golden Boot. Anthony Lucas Lucas Mecha is. Uh, who's averaging the second highest XG per 90 on the, for the club is out for this match. So uh, I really don't think Freiburg should be an underdog. I project them as a slight favorite. So I like them draw no bet at plus one Oh five. All right, let's move over down South to Italy and Syria. What's your favorite pick in Italy this weekend?
1: You know, it's not great betting practice to bet on a team that just scored eight. To bet against a team that just conceded five, but we're, but we're gonna um, do it
0: both of us. But I'm gonna do it, yeah. I already ways. did it, it, I already
1: <laughs> bet it anyway, so I guess I have to. Uh, Atalanta plus a half against Juventus. Uh, incredible bet regret, maybe the biggest of the entire season. I cursed myself every single time Napoli yep. scored and just pummeled Juventus yep. into next month. Uh, that was so much fun though, because I yeah. hate Juventus. Uh, I cringed every time they scored, I, you know, I was just like, oh my god, I can't believe I didn't do this. Uh, but the decline in attacking quality has definitely hurt Atalanta's numbers. Like, they're not quite as good in the actual penalty area. Zapata and Muriel and Ilichich, the, the golden days and the groy days are over. But they've really refreshed the squad really well, and the progression machine has continued. The ball progression machine, second passes, fifth touches in the area, fourth progressive passes. Like, they're very good at moving the ball into the area and, and threatening even the best defenses in this league. And Juventus still has regression coming, even after conceding five. So... I like these teams even, throw in some home field. Uh, excuse me, I make Atlanta better. Throw in home field, it gets me about even. So I'm going to take the plus a half here on Ladea.
0: I'm going to take, and th- again, this is really bad betting practices, taking a team that just scored five, going up against a team that just conceded eight. But I like Napoli's team total over two and a half against Salernitana at plus 120. Uh, I mean the the, def, the Salernitana defense is completely cratered over the weekend like maybe 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 Ochoa isn't the greatest goalkeeper in the entire world um they'll be fine <laughs> they'll be fine they'll be fine right because Salernitana is the worst team in Serie A but they're somehow going to survive relegation yet again we're Damn 18 right. matches into the season they've conceded 34.8 expected goals in five matches against the big 7 in italy they've allowed they're allowing two expected goals per match last five matches they've conceded 13 expected goals and now they're supposed to slow down one of honestly one of the best offenses in europe this season i mean napoli's averaging over two expected goals per 90 minutes they're number one in pretty much every single offensive metric in italy and <laughs> salernitana One of the worst pressing teams, allows the highest opponent buildup percentage. They have the fewest high turnovers. They're going to provide no resistance. They can't defend their penalty area. And Napoli, once they get a lead, they love to pour it on. Like you saw it against Juventus. They're averaging 2.05 expected goals per 90 minutes when playing with a lead this season. Salernitano when playing from behind. I couldn't believe when I, I saw this number. 2.92 2.92 expected goals per 90 when playing from behind. So I project Napoli at 2.7 goals. So I like the value on their team total over, over two and a half at plus 120. This is terrible bet practice, betting practice. But I really have a deep disdain and hatred for the Salernitana team. So uh, any chance I can to to fade them, I'm going to do it. All right, let's move on to Spain. We'll we'll save my wonderful high price. Both teams to score no uh, for for a second. What's your favorite bet in Spain?
1: Bill Baal, plus 110, 115, draw no bet at home against Real Madrid. I make this a true coin flip, so I have it at even money both ways. It's kind of fun. That rarely yeah. happens. Uh, but I'll take the plus 115 on a bet that I think is uh, 50-50 to win. Uh, this is a top five defense in Europe. Four point six expected goals allowed in nine home matches. They're awesome. Real on the on the other hand, away from home has been really bad defensively, conceding over one xg per match. Bilbao's played up in competition a few times. They dominated via Real at home, Atleti at home. Very encouraging. They they were a little bit worse than Barca away, which is you know relative to market expectations, right around what you'd expect. Uh, and so I think Bilbao is just perennially undervalued in the last year and a half has been the case since they've taken a step forward in their underlyings, but there's a good spot to fade Real Madrid. Again. Uh, I think that uh, this is a, you know, it's like a weird spot for Madrid coming off of a, a pasting last weekend in the super cup, Spanish super cup against Barca. It was a great, that was a great Barca spot. I think this is another great fade spot against Bilbao. I love,
0: you know, I don't think there's going to be any better way to spend your Friday afternoon on the island of majorca both teams to score no against celta vigo at, my, at a wonderfully high price of minus 140 no better way to kick your kick your weekend off again these are two uh, top 8 defensive teams in la liga and we have a very very low total sitting at 2 with the over sitting at even money majorca matches this season i think this is the most low event i've ever seen uh, a team especially in spain 1.61 non-penalty spectacles total between the two teams in Mallorca matches this season. Both teams in their matches have created over one expected goal just twice, and both teams score no hit in their last five matches. Mallorca does an unbelievable job at defending in and around their penalty area because they're basically providing no resistance for teams getting forward against them, like they're 17th in progressive pass and dribbles allowed, their second in uh, opponent buildup percentage allowed, or second highest opponent buildup percentage allowed, 18th in pass per defensive action. But they're top 10 and pass allowed in their penalty area, and they are allowing the longest average shot distance, not only in Spain, but in Europe at 20.5 yards. Celta Vigo, a top 10 team in expected goals per 90, but has the longest average shot distance in La Liga at 19.3 yards and have attempted third most shots from outside the penalty area. On the flip side, Mallorca is a... Really, really bad offense. I mean, 0.76 non-penalty expected goals per 90, bottom three in shots per 90, touches in the penalty area and progressive passes and dribbles. Celta Vigo allowing only 0.92 non-penalty expected goals per 90 minutes and is top three defensively uh, in those three categories I just mentioned for Mallorca. I have both teams to score no, projected at minus 214. So I love value on minus 140. All right. Let's move on. We're not going to do an underdog uh, cuz it just wouldn't feel right uh, not having Michael here and not having the three of us.
1: But Mr. Underdog himself is Mr. out. Mr. Underdog so,
0: himself is out and we can't we just can't do it without him. But me and Anthony thought we got to we got to bring one underdog for the people to get him through the weekend and we landed on we're going to go to the championship West, West Brom. Brom. Plus Just pull up the
1: XG table. Just sort the XG up. table. I and mean, the you know why we're on West Brom? The championship. I mean, they've table. had a historic run. Yeah, I mean, a Burnley they finally fired uh, Sam, and, and it's it's turned around for them since a little yeah. bit. Like, they're finally picking it up. But, yeah, Burnley has run ridiculously hot, even though I love them under company. Uh, I love West Brom. So, Burnley has a plus 28 actual goal differential.
0: They have a plus 7.7 7 expected goal differential. They have scored 53 goals off of 30 Four, expected West Brom, on the other hand, is uh, third in the championship in expected goal differential per 90. Better than Burnley last time these two teams met, it was a uh, you know, the expected goals was dead even 2.1 to 2.1. So we're essentially getting a, a two, plus 280 price on two teams that are essentially even, and with West Brom being a little bit better uh, by expected goals. So, yeah, this is. and it's going to end it's going to end very very poorly but burnley is running way way too hot at the moment i mean they have won five straight and nine of their last 10 uh it's yeah this is in this and the only loss came to manchester united so it's gonna they're gonna regress at some point and this is gonna be the spot so the wonder goal underdog grouper of west brom plus 280 against burnley all right Let's finish things out with our best bets in the premier league. Anthony, what's your best bet in England this weekend?
1: I've been talking for the last probably month or so about this Everton defense and just how bad it is. They have some of the worst underlying numbers in the league. They're playing West Ham United. I like both teams to score minus one Oh five in this match. West Ham is desperate. They are David Moyes on the verge of losing his job if they don't get a good result here. So you have to expect that they're going to push, but they also haven't been that bad. I mean, they're, Their finishing has been really poor. They've had a really rough spell when it comes to variance, but uh, the underlying numbers aren't quite as bad as the actual. So you do expect some positive regression for West Ham's attack. And Everton's defense doesn't stop crosses. They're dead last stopping crosses, whereas West Ham should find success from the wide areas, get at this defense. Once they do score, Everton will need to come back. They've actually been decent in attack in the last month, scoring goals in almost every game. But again, it's been that defense that has been terrible. So I do like the both teams to score here. It's a relegation six pointer. So you think it'd be cage here. Market's just not pricing in this Everton defense. I like the both teams to score. Yes.
0: I love Brentford. Draw no bet plus one ten on the road against Leeds. The Leeds offense this season really is only effective when they're being very direct and in transition. And this is going to be a type of match where Brentford's going to sit in a low block and force Leeds to have the ball and to break them down. I mean, Leeds has the lowest buildup percentage in the, in the premier league. They are, they were very, very good against Aston Villa. They created 2.4 expected goals, but they only had three, 10 plus pass sequences. They had a 68% buildup completion percentage. So I have major, major questions about their offense trying to break down Brentford's low block, which has been very good this season. They're allowing the second longest average shot distance in the premier league. The flip side of it is Leeds defense has been just downright embarrassing under Jesse Marsh. They're allowing 1.54 non-penalty expected goals per 90 minutes. They've allowed 15.9 expected goals in their last nine matches, and they're allowing the seventh most big scoring chances in the Premier League. And when these two met the last time, Brentford absolutely pasted them at the Brentford Community Stadium. They created 2.3 expected goals. Leeds did nothing in the entire first half. And then they created 1.3 expected goals after Brentford was already up 3-1. This is also a good advantage rest spot here for Brentford with Leeds playing on Wednesday against Cardiff in the FA Cup. And Leeds just really hasn't been that good at home at Ellen Road where they have a minus three expected goal differential while Brentford doesn't have the drastic home and road splits like they did last season in the Premier League. So I love the bees. Draw no bet at plus 110. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Wonder Goal. Thank you all for listening. We will Michael Eboff will be back in the host chair on Monday. We also have an interview with Eric Benalda talking a little Premier League and things with the United States men's national team. So good luck with everybody with your soccer wagers, and we'll see you on Monday.
1: Action Network reminds you: please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available twenty four seven
0: at one eight hundred Gambler.